The sports panel on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops with you Thursday afternoon, mid-February. Thanks for hanging out with us. Jake Durant's in the studio with us. Appreciate it as always, man. What's up? Man, not a whole lot. Uh, just enjoying uh, enjoying a Thursday. It's actually my Friday today, so mm, um, it, makes it, a, it makes it a little better. Um, it's a holiday for the people who have significant others, and you know, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a lot of love today. Let's put it that way. I'm sending out love to the viewer, or to the listeners, I should say. Um, I hope everyone's enjoying uh, the, the holiday here. Hey, it's a holiday for everyone, significant other or not. It's a day to celebrate love, and whether you have a significant other or not, I'm sure everybody, most everybody, has somebody that they love, somebody oh, yeah. they care about. So spread it today. Everyone needs it, you know, what have you. I could go into a whole mushy thing, but I'm not. <laughs> We've got sports to talk about, too. And uh, we can start with the NBA because two of the hottest teams in basketball both lost last night. Indiana and Detroit entering play last night had won a combined 10 games between them. And they both get beat. Indiana runs into Milwaukee, and Detroit runs into the Celtics. Let's start with the Bucks and the Pacers quickly. They were two of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Despite losing Oladipo, Indiana rattles off six straight. I, I'm not sold on them. I don't think they're for real, but they're still doing something impressive. They get up there and they battle Milwaukee. They play him to 106 to 97, but Bucks are just too strong. Giannis with another triple double. But why are the Pacers still hanging around? Is Sabonis that good of a player? Are they going to be a team that can actually survive without Oladipo? How worried should fans of teams in the Eastern Conference be about the Indiana Pacers? Honestly, I don't think fans should be too worried about the Pacers. You see this a lot when a star player goes down. You know, it, it tends to kind of bring the team together. And then you kind of see teams, you know, play kind of out of ordinarily good I guess you could say um just because of the the adversity and everything that surrounds the team you know you, they come closer everyone you know comes together and and players step up the problem with that is it usually doesn't last so I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Indiana yeah they've been on a nice run like you said Sabonis has stepped up and things like that but I just don't see them consistently um doing it down the stretch and, and in the postseason and things like that if they if they end up making it in things um but you know you're going to run into teams with like a Milwaukee and things like that who in in a series I don't see a team without an Oladipo like Indiana. Indiana has a lot of good pieces. Don't get me wrong, um, but it would just be hard to beat that upper half of the Eastern Conference. Um, I just don't really see them beating Philly. I don't see them beating Boston. I don't see them beating Milwaukee. Um, you know they're just an average team without Oladipo. Oladipo is one of those players. Um, you know he's very unique in the fact that he plays really hard, but he's he his presence kind of makes other players play like that um if you if that makes any sense but you know he's one of those just scrappy players yeah he's a he's a star in the league but um you know he works for it um he doesn't rely solely on skill a lot of the times it's it's just hustle hard work and and determination and i think that kind of spreads through the pacers when he's there so without him um you know i kind of see i kind of see them tailing off a little bit towards the end of the end of the season the pacers with victor oladipo could they really be a top three team in the Eastern Conference? And if they did have Oladipo, just speculating here, how far could they go? Because they're a team that you kind of want to pull for if you don't have a dog in the fight up there in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think I don't think they're a top three team. I think they would be, you know, right outside of the top three possibly. Um, you know, best case scenario for the Pacers. 
Um, if they had Oladipo, I could see them, you know, in a first-round series, uh, you know, possibly winning a series or going seven games. I think that would be kind of be the ceiling with with that team. Um, I guess depending on where that where they would land, um, if they were in that fourth, fifth seed. Um, obviously, I think they had to have a really good chance to kind of win a first round, just because of of the pieces they do have there. I, I do think they're they're really well balanced and things like that. So, uh, I think best case scenario with Oladipo, I would give them maybe a first round win, depending on the seating, and you know, worst worst case, take a six seven games um, in the first round. Is it crazy of me to say that in their current state without Oladipo, I would feel more confident picking the Brooklyn Nets over them if they were to meet in a series? I wouldn't say you're crazy to say that just because uh, I, I do, you know, Brooklyn is one of those teams where, you know, you weren't expecting a lot. You have a kind of a lot of um, overachievers on that team, but it, it, it's a good team. Um, they have a little bit of depth. They have a good balance inside and out. Um, I'm blanking on the, the center's name there. Um, Allen, I think his last name yeah, is. Yeah, try and name three players. Exactly. On um, obviously, uh, he's a... He's a high-energy guy, a high flyer, you know, brings a lot of energy to that team. Obviously, uh, deloading, mm-hmm. uh, D'Angelo Russell. Damari uh, Carroll. Damari Carroll. These are a lot, of, a lot of castaway players mm-hmm. now, um, guys that have traveled and, and kind of found a home and found a niche there in Brooklyn. Um, it just seemed like a couple years ago the Nets were kind of in dismay um, without any bright future or light at the end of the tunnel. But um, quietly they've been able to kind of piece the team together. Um, you know, with kind of these outcasts, you know, chip on their shoulder, blue chip type of guys that just, you know, work hard and they play well as a team. Um, you know, that w- I think that would be a great series, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan of, of the Brooklyn Nets this year, and um, especially D'Angelo uh, Russell, who early on in his career, you know, was supposed to go to L.A. and kind of be the face of that franchise there. He was a high draft pick. Obviously, he had some things happen, some um, out-of-the-ordinary things happen, and, and he got traded away. But I think um, in the long run, it, it definitely helped. D'Angelo Russell, because I mean the Lakers right now still a lot of questions, and and Russell is is thriving there in in the the big city there. Let's focus on the big four in the Eastern Conference, the teams that are expected to contend for the conference title between Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philadelphia. Am I crazy to say that the one team I'm the least confident out of that group to win the East is the Toronto Raptors? I don't think you're definitely. I, I agree. Uh, you know, um, it would be between Toronto and in Philly. Um, you know, Philadelphia's starting lineup is very scary. Toronto, obviously, with Marcus Gasol coming over, um, is a is a very good good pickup for them. But I mean, if Kawhi doesn't do what he needs to do, and that's be the main guy and score and and do everything for that team, you know, I don't I don't trust the rest of their supporting cast. To be honest with you. Um, especially when you talk about, uh, like I said, Philly with you know five guys on the court that can go off, um, and and you know the Celtics who have so much depth and and guys that can really, uh, you know, kind of, you know, any given night a guy can step up. I guess you could say. With Toronto, I think if if Kawhi's not playing at the top of his game and he has a down night, you know, I just don't see Toronto beating those other three t- big big four in the East. Is it safe to say? That in the current state of the NBA, the Bucks are the favorite in the Eastern Conference right now. I would say the Bucks are are the favorite. I'd say Boston, even with the ups and downs they've gone through, I think they are still a team that's right behind Milwaukee. Um, and I mean Philly's right there. I mean Philly is right there. Toronto's right there. But I'm gonna have to go Milwaukee one, Boston close second, mm. Philly Toronto. Who benefits more from having the All Star break? now 
Is it the Lakers having a chance to regroup and figure things out, get a little more healthy and get Josh Hart back into the lineup? Or is it the Celtics who've had some dominant wins and then some really bad losses like the other night blowing a 28-point lead to the Clippers? You know, I think right now I'm going to have to go just with L.A. just because of all the turmoil, all the all the things that were happening, um, you know, with LeBron James being injured, then all the trade talk rumors, and then, you know, Magic Johnson in the news, and then now it's Luke Walton, and then LeVar Ball is coming in. You know, there's just so much around that team. Um, you know, a lot of the focus doesn't seem to be quite on the basketball aspect. So I think it's definitely more important for the Lakers to kind of take a step back, regroup, reevaluate, um, and, and rest, obviously get some players back and, and really try to um, salvage some, something of a season. Um, obviously, I don't think they're winning a championship this year. I think we can all, it's all safe to say. But, you know, they could make steps. I think this is definitely a year where they need to try to make some steps forward and not backwards. I think we've seen a lot of steps backward more than forward. I think they need to kind of figure it out, regroup, and, and just try to finish the season out as strong as they can. Jake Durant's in the studio with us. Before we go to break, you were probably a little conflicted last night when the Pistons and the Celtics went up against each other, but is Detroit starting to figure things out? Because all of a sudden, they're right back in the playoff hunt. Was adding Thon Maker all they needed to do? I mean, they're, they're, they're looking better, obviously, and I don't want to jinx anything. I've seen this happen before. They have their little runs. Um, I think just... What I don't like about this team is they're so inconsistent, and sometimes it's just the effort's not there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, if they can be, you know, have a little bit more every saw Blake Griffin talk about it uh, a week or so ago, and and say this, they they joke around too much and they're not as focused. I think if they can focus, I mean, they, they're a decent team. Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of of a lot of their talent, but um, they're a pretty good team under doing Casey. Um, so uh, definitely a little bit conflicted last night. Um, I'm a Piston fan at heart. I root for the Celtics here and there just because I've been able to see them live a couple times, and it's been really, really fun to watch. Um, but, you know, if Detroit can kind of hang in there, who, who knows in the in the postseason what could happen. Well, I tell you what, adding Thon Maker seems to have been a difference maker for Detroit. They made a great move in getting him at the deadline. He won it out of Milwaukee. He's got a ton of talent. I thought if Detroit was going to make a move, it would be somewhere in their backcourt. Maybe unloading Stanley Johnson was part of it. Maybe that helped. I don't know. I didn't expect them to add another big in Thon Maker and expect that to change the dynamic of this team in a positive way. But for whatever reason it has, what does Thon Maker bring to the table? What makes him such a special athlete? And how is he helping the Pistons turn things around here, Lane? You know, I just think he's, he's one of those high-energy guys. Obviously, he's a good defender. Um, I think he fits well in the persona that is Detroit basketball. You know, he can do some things on the offensive end as well. Overall, he's just a, a really unique player. I think Dwayne Casey does a gr- great job in putting him in, in positions to where he can succeed. And, you know, I think it's just a fresh face, a little different dynamic, um, a little uh, breath of fresh air for Detroit. I obviously think um, moving Stanley Johnson was was a good good idea just because he's had a shot. I yeah. mean, you know, he's had multiple opportunities, and it just wasn't working out. So hopefully he can move on and, and become uh, what he, many thought he was going to be when, when Detroit took him early earlier in that first round. So um, I like the addition of Thon, man. I, I like what he brings to the table. He did that in Milwaukee. He just didn't have enough opportunity. So I like what he brings. I think he fits well with the business. Is it too early to say that Thon Maker is a fan favorite in Detroit? you got to root for the guy. you got to root for the guy. There's something <laughs> unique about this guy. I mean, I root for him too. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just the way he plays. You know, Thon Maker, it's just a – 
there's just something about it, you know. He's something something about his persona, about the way he plays that, you know, fans gravitate to. And I think him coming in and kind of rejuvenating the franchise a little bit, giving them that extra spark, I think it's only natural that fans kind of cling on to that and, and root for the guy. I mean, I'm rooting for the guy. Obviously, a lot of Pistons fans are. And hopefully he can continue being a positive impact on this team. We're right about at the 25-game mark until the postseason. The Pistons are about as on the bubble as you can be. Every year. Do they make Every it? Every year. If they do, it's going to be probably, you know, an eight seed. Yeah. Um, but this is every year, man. I'm telling you, they're stuck in this zone where they're just barely on the brink of playoffs. They might make it, they might not. And then, you know, first round exit. It's not changing. It's going to be again this year. I would like to see him in there. I mean, if you're going to be that close, you might as well make it in and, and just see what you can do. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We'll take our first time out when we come back. Is this year's Celtics team similar to last year's Cavalier team in the sense that they don't impress in the regular season? But watch out for him in the playoffs. Plus, are the C's better without Kyrie Irving? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Well, the Boston Celtics have been one of the biggest mysteries in the NBA all season long. They will go into the All-Star break with a record of 37-21. and 21. They currently sit fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They were the favorite in the East when the season started. They were a team that, once LeBron left, were all excited. Al Horford's wife even tweeted out, the East is ours, because Boston was expected to run away with this thing. I'm a Boston fan, Jake, and you're kind of a Boston guy. I mean, you, you root for him, as mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, before the break, but... For whatever reason, the Celtics haven't been able to pull away in the East. They're there, you know, they're hanging around. They're in fourth place right now. It's kind of similar to what the Cavaliers did last year, except the Cavaliers made a big splash about midway through the year. Dan Gilbert went on a purge, and he got rid of a ton of roster spots and brought in some fresh faces. The Cavaliers ended up getting the four seed, but they ran the table in the postseason Boston really didn't make a splash here at the trade deadline. I don't know that there are going to be any moves forthcoming. Could this Boston team be the Cavalier team that we saw last year? You know, I do think that they definitely have underachieved so far. Um, but I think the the path that the, the Cavs have taken or took last year is a lot different than what obviously Boston is is working with now. I think Boston has everything they need. They don't have to go out. Obviously, they didn't go out and make any crazy trades. Um, and it, yeah, there was optimi- optimism coming into the season just because of how well Boston played. And then you talk about adding Kyrie in the mix and Gordon Hayward in the mix, two really good players. Um, but the thing about basketball, man, is is it takes a while to figure things out. Um, you add a guy like Kyrie, who's a ball dominant point guard, the dynamic changes completely with that team. Um, you know, you you don't get to have the the wings play as freely as they did last year when you talk about having Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart at the point, um, two guys that were more of playmakers than, than real scorers. Um, last year, I watched Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum take the NBA by storm, and they were playing free um, and, th- and, you know, playing really well, overachieving. You know, you were like, wow, these guys, two superstars on the wings in the making here, Boston set. Um, they're still really good players. I'm not taking anything away, but they had to change their whole their whole outlook on it because now you have Gordon Hayward coming in the mix, um, taking minutes from people. Um, there's a lot more standing around. Obviously, Kyrie's getting his buckets. 
Um, Kyrie's a good playmaker too, don't get me wrong, but um, you know, it's a, just a different mindset for the team. I think they're still trying to figure it out. Like you said, they're they're right there in the mix. Yeah, they're not running away with it, but I don't think many expected Milwaukee to take as you know as good as Milwaukee even was last year. It seems like they've taken a huge jump and and gotten a lot better too. Um, you know, but and then obviously with Philly, Philly making moves, you know, bringing in Jimmy Butler and um, Tobias Harris. No one really saw that coming as well. Um, so it was kind of easy in the beginning of the season to, on paper say, hey. Boston's better in all, you know, all positions, so they should run away with it. Now you're kind of figuring it out, you're kind of seeing it play out to where it's like, okay, obviously the dynamic has changed. Players are still trying to figure it out, um, and the argument that Kyrie, without Kyrie, the C's are better. I just think, I mean, I think it's it's crazy to think. I think you need a player like Kyrie, um, who's been to the finals, who's made clutch shots. Um, you know, I think you need somebody on the team, especially when you talk about all the young talent. And, and a guy who can arguably win you a game by by its, himself. So, um, yeah, they're nine and two without him this season. Um, you know, and they play they play well. But um, if you're talking about deep in the playoffs, you want a guy like Kyrie on the floor when you need him. And that's that's what is you know they're going to have to go up against um, in clutch time. No one's more clutch than Kyrie. He's proved it. He won a championship with a shot with the final seconds. I mean, that's as clutch as he gets. Um, you know, I, I I just think I think kind of people kind of were. were um, had a little bit too high of hopes for the Celtics coming into this season. I think we we got to kind of let them chill out. I think they're second or after the All-Star break, I think they're going to kind of figure things out, and you're going to kind of see them slowly gain momentum. And then in the postseason, like you said, I think they're going to they're going to make some noise. I think Milwaukee and Boston are going to be the two teams that are battling it out. You hit the nail on the head because you said all the numbers that Boston has succeeded without Kyrie Irving last night. They won their 25th home game with Kyrie on the roster in which he did not play. They're 25-4 and four in those games. So in a lot of ways, they fit Brad Stevens' mold better without Kyrie on the floor, where they can let the wings do their thing, when they can let Tatum loose, when they can let Jalen Brown get loose, when they can let Terry Rozier run the point. But if you want to make a run and you're thinking about winning a championship, you need a guy like Kyrie Irving on your team. I don't care what the numbers say or what the system is. Sometimes you just need veteran leadership more than anything. And sometimes that matters more than what system your coach is trying to implement. And that's the sense. Once you get into the portion of the schedule, once you get into May and June, where you're in the conference finals and the NBA finals, that's where you need somebody like Kyrie Irving. And you throw out the systems, you throw out all the statistics and the numbers, and that's where you just go out there and you ball. You you put the ball in the hands of a guy like Uncle Drew. Exactly. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just insane. You know, it's a long season and there's going to be ups and downs. Everyone's human. Yeah, they've probably lost some games they should have won and things like that, but like you said, once playoff time comes around, the mentality's different. You know, it's, it, every game is a huge game. Players are locked in. Um, they kind of know what's up, and you, I mean, if you can have a Kyrie Irving on your team, you definitely want to go into battle in the postseason with more, you know, more uh, scoring power, more everything. Um, it's, it's way better to have him on the roster. I just think it's crazy that people would think you know, they're better without him. I just don't see it. There's just no way. Well, the Celtics are 16 games above 500 at 37 and 21. They're in fourth place. I'm a Celtics fan, but I'm still optimistic this team can make a run and find their way to the NBA Finals because I really do think they have all the pieces that they need. And, you know, I'm not criticizing them for going out and not making moves because 
they really do have all the pieces, provided they stay healthy. They have all the pieces they need to go out and make a deep run in the postseason. I don't know what it is, but they have Philadelphia's number, which I'm not going to complain about. Mm-hmm. But I can easily see it being Milwaukee and Boston contending for the Eastern Conference Finals. I, Milwaukee scares me as a Boston fan more than Toronto or Philadelphia does. The depth that those two teams have far and away better than anyone else in the Eastern Conference. And Boston might have a better overall starting lineup than Milwaukee. Mike Boonholzer and Brad Stevens have a similar system. But the thing is, their star player over there in Milwaukee, Giannis, they know it's his team, and they run it through him. Whereas it almost seems like the Celtics are fighting Kyrie a little bit with his system. I don't know if that's the case inside the locker room or not. But if that is, they got to get that figured out because they're going to be basically playing themselves in a way except they're going to have a tall version of Kyrie, basically, or a guard version of Giannis on the other side of the floor. Right. I mean, you, you look at both teams, very similar teams, and I think the key word you said was depth, and you definitely need depth um, when you talk about the postseason. A lot of people wanted um, Boston to go out and get Anthony Davis and, and you know send away you know two, three stars in a first-round draft pick and make some – what I would look at is a kind of a desperation move. I mean, you want to talk about you know them trying to figure things out, adding Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward. You, you know, what do you think would have happened if they brought in Anthony Davis? Lost you know a lot of that depth, like you said, um, and a few other you know star young guys, and try to figure it out. You know, that could have went really bad. Um, and everything that they've kind of built up over the few years with all the draft picks and things like that could have just been decimated, especially when you talk if Davis left. Um, so I think they definitely did the right thing, kind of just holding holding still and, and keeping all their pieces. But it, it is true. I think that Milwaukee is a little bit ahead of them in, in figuring out you know the identity of their team um, because, honestly, they, they didn't do a whole lot. They, they let go of some guys, added a piece or two here. But for the most part, the core is still the same. Um, as, like you said, Boston is still trying to figure it out, still trying to figure out what type of team they are, um, what makes them the most successful, um, and guys are still trying to figure out that role. So uh, I think they just got to kind of look in the mirror and just try to figure out who they are a little bit. But, I mean, they, get, they got all the talent you need. They got all the, the depth you need. I think the GMs and, and did a great job, and it's really just up to the players, up to Brad Stevens to kind of get these guys ready. And um, the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be really, really fun to watch. I mean – you know, the West has a lot of great teams, obviously, too, but um, even if LeBron is in L.A., I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are, are, are going to be, you know, you know, tune in because, you know, those f- top four teams are going to be battling out. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of Game 7s, and I think it's going to be a pretty good se- uh, uh, postseason in the NBA. Let's assume that the four top teams in the Eastern Conference do get the top four seeds, and we're presuming the top four teams are Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Milwaukee. Let's say they all get the first four seeds in the Eastern Conference. Which of those four is most likely to lose in the opening round? Would you see any of them being likely to be upset? I know a lot of that depends on the matchup, who gets who, but is there any team that seems vulnerable, like they could be overlooking an opponent and maybe not get to that famed should we call it Eastern Conference semifinal? Is there anybody that sticks out to you as being vulnerable from that group? You know, it's really hard to say. I, I would have to go with the the Toronto or Philly team. Mm. I just don't trust Toronto in the postseason. No. Uh, you know what I mean? There's just something about it where, um, you know, they just they they don't 
live up to expectations. They talk about Kyle Lowry um, playing in the postseason, you know, not playing to his normal stature, I guess you could say, um, kind of underachieving in the postseason. Um, and like I said, they they rely a lot on on Kawhi. Um, who knows um, about their supporting cast? And then there's some. I mean, Philly as well. I mean, they have a lot of great talent, but do you trust a Ben Simmons who who can't shoot past two feet from the rim? Um, is Jimmy Butler gonna do something crazy? You know, Joel Embiid, who you never know. Um, you know, they're they're a great team, but they just seem to not be able to win bigger bigger games. So I'm gonna have to go. I would have to say most likely to get upset. Toronto. I can kind of see Toronto losing in the first round. Maybe I should have went this way with it. Which of the five through eight seeds or potential five through eight seeds in the East has the best chance to upset somebody they're not supposed to? I would say it'd be either Indiana or Brooklyn because I think those are the two quote-unquote locks for mm-hmm. someone through five through eight. They're probably the five and six seeds. I don't know who gets in after them, but is there anybody that sticks out to you that could be the team that put somebody on upset alert in the opening round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think the the hot trending team, like you said, would be the Brooklyn Nets just because, um, like I said, man, they're just a scrappy group, a group that has something to prove. And, you know, they got they got Karis LeVert. They got D'Angelo Russell. They got, um, I think his name's Jared Allen. Um, you know, they got, they got some guys. They got some guys that, that play well together. So, I mean, you know, if they can hold down home court and sneak one, who knows? I could see, I could see Brooklyn possibly upsetting a Toronto, um, possibly upsetting a Philly, um, just because of of the way they play and just the high energy and 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 they got they got some talent. So I, I definitely, I, I think it's Brooklyn. I think they're the team that everyone's kind of loving right now. They're kind of the the popular team. So um, I do like the Brooklyn Nets. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you. We owe you our next time out. When we come back, Adam Silver, rumors that he could be on the move to the NFL. Any validation to it or not? Plus, last night, two of the greatest in the NBA meet up for the last time. Next, the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here is your Sports Center update. James Harden has scored at least 30 points in 31 straight games. He did so last night against the Timberwolves in a losing effort. He tied Wilt Chamberlain for the second longest such streak. Wilt also holds the overall record with 65 consecutive 30-point games. He set that back in 1962. Philadelphia 76ers All-Star Joel Embiid has been fined $25,000 after criticizing NBA officials following Tuesday night's loss to the Celtics. And finally, there is mutual interest between the Jaguars and quarterback Nick Foles, reports NFL Network's Mike Garofalo. I just want to point out that I called that back on January 16th. Jaguars today got their new offensive coordinator, and it's John Filippo, the assistant coach for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, the recently fired offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. This comes a day after Carson Wentz was named the starter in Philadelphia. Nick Foles said he wants to be a starting quarterback. He can play somewhere next year. He can play over Blake Bortles. I'm fairly certain of that. Nick Foles. Yeah. What about Nick? Did they make this move to get Nick Foles? I wonder, because it came one day after 
Doug Peterson says yeah. that Carson Wentz is his guy going forward. And Nick Foles, we thought, you know, maybe he's all right in the backup role. And they said they do want him to stay on as a backup and everything. But he says he does want to be a starter somewhere. And he can start over Blake Bortles. He can start in at least eight different cities right now in the NFL. <laughs> I would like to see him go somewhere. And I think he's got a real shot to do that, especially if he teams up again with John D. Filippo. Yeah, I was going to say there's history there. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. They want a Super Bowl together. And I wonder how much that means that Nick Foles could be on his way to Jacksonville before season's end, I, or at least before off-season's end. I mean, I think Nick Foles to the Jags, I, that would make a lot of sense. We just saw Joe Flacco mm -hmm. um, go to Denver. How much better does that make Denver? I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. um, they're sticking with that equation and just kind of bring in vets and, and try to keep that defense intact. And, and um, you know, they're going that route. Jay, Jacksonville Jaguars, similar similar uh, attack, I guess you could say. Build a good defense and try to bring in somebody that you know can kind of play well enough to get you over the hump. I, Nick Foles, that's definitely better than Blake Bortles. He could go down there, fill in right away. I think that team definitely underachieved last year, but if you look on paper, they got a lot of good defensive talent. Um, offensively, they got Leonard Fournette, if he's healthy, one of the better running backs in the league. Um, they got some depth at the running back position as well. Um, and then, you know, receiver-wise, they pro probably upgrade a little bit. You know, if they can protect Nick Foles, I mean, he, he's shown he can go on a little run. He can win the Super Bowl. I mean, he's done it. You just got to surround him with the talent. It's a similar equation as Philly did. Philly had a great defense and a solid running game, and Nick Foles brought him to the promised land. So, I mean, if Jacksonville can get him um, for the right price, I don't see why that couldn't couldn't be better. And then, who knows, maybe sign Nick Foles and then draft draft a Kyler Murray. Um, I think, you know, double down on it a little bit and just try to try to figure it out because that's a position that's always been hurting Jacksonville. If you're the Washington Redskins and Dan Snyder, how much are you panicking right now knowing that Joe Flacco's off the board, Nick Foles might be off the board here in the coming days? What are you going to do at your quarterback position? To go out and grab, a, grab Case Keenum. <laughs> Some I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, them sitting back and kind of waiting, I mean, it, it's it's not looking great mm -hmm. for them. Um, you could try to do something in the draft possibly. You know, you can kind of just eat a year and just be terrible and figure it out next season um, and hope that Alex Smith can come back and, and things. But, um, man, that, that franchise is definitely hurting at the quarterback position. They're going to have to bring in some mid-level guy and just kind of put a Band-Aid over the, over the wound, I guess you could say. And just try to get the best out of out of a year out of you know one of those guys that is a journeyman, I guess you can say. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant in the studio with you. Continuing on with the NBA, reports came out that several NFL owners want Adam Silver to be considered for the NFL commissioner job. Adam Silver in five years as the NBA commissioner has done a phenomenal job. NBA revenue has almost doubled. It's no wonder that NFL owners want this guy to bring that kind of culture to the NFL because his relationship with the media is great, relationship with the players is great. Everything he does, he just seems to have the magic touch, and he corrects what David Stern nearly impossibly broke. They, the NFL owners want the same thing, a guy who's a very progressive commissioner, even a guy like Jerry Jones, who's about as traditional as it gets, wants a guy like Adam Silver to come run the NFL. Right. I mean, Adam Silver's not afraid to take chances. Um, you know, he's always on top one or two steps ahead. He builds good relationships with the owners. He builds good relationships with players. And he, you know, he, he knows that's kind of the key. 
Um, you know, he's he's looking out for for you know the foundation of the league, and that's the players, and that's and that's the um, you know the owners obviously trying to keep them happy. I think with the NFL you have this power struggle back and forth, um, and and the owners just I don't know. There's something about the NFL owners where you know it, it's hard to to please everybody, and um, I don't know, man. It just it, there's just a, a weird feeling, you know. He Adam Silver's definitely not out for himself. Roger Goodell is a little differently. People think he's out for himself, money hungry, things like that. Um, and and like you said, man, he just he just hasn't handled things um, as great as he probably could have. And um, I don't know why, if you're Adam Silver, why you would even want to make that move. To be honest, um, with everything that's coming down with the NFL, um, you know, you got players, you know, demanding. I mean, it happens in the NBA as well. But you, you got players trying to, you know, obviously the power struggle between them, the owners. Um, then you talk about injuries and the popularity of the game going down with the, you know, you're in the NBA, the NBA is thriving. It's becoming more popular. Um, I don't know why you would want to, to leave that and try to do something else. I don't know. Um, could I see him do a good job in the NFL? I do. I do think he could probably pull it off just because of his, his track record. But, um, let's keep Adam Silver in the NBA and let's keep the NBA thriving. Cause I think he fits there perfectly. Adam Silver said that he's given no thoughts to joining the NFL, which I think we're thankful for five years. And he's done a fantastic job in the NBA. I think a lot of people are happy with the job he's done. It's hard to think at any time, has there been a commissioner in any sport that has been as popular as Adam Silver is, because that's certainly not Roger Goodell. Rob Manfred is not making friends with the baseball traditionalist, the baseball purist, and Gary Bettman is a guy that a lot of NHL fans just want to see step down, take a hike, what have you. It's weird to see a commissioner this popular, and I, I don't know if it's weird, maybe it's not the right word, but it's refreshing. It's a good thing to be able to see that fans have that kind of trust in a league's front office. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 like I said, it all comes down to just relationships. Um, he, he puts everybody else first. When you talk about the players, you know, he, he wants the fans to enjoy the NBA. Um, and he's just kind of, he's, he's kind of like the cool commissioner. You know, mm-hmm. he does things, you know, that are trendy. Um, like I said, he takes risks. And he's just done a lot of different things that just, just help making the sport grow. And I think any basketball fan who... You see, you see somebody helping the sport as much as he has. You can kind of tell he genu- genuinely cares about the sport, about the league, um, and about everyone who's involved. Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to to like the guy. Um, I think he's just a perfect fit in the NBA, and um, you know, like I said, he's done a great job. Elsewhere in the NBA, two future Hall of Famers played against each other for the last time last night. Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade had the jersey swap afterwards. Pretty iconic. But boy, how things change in eight years since those two met in the 2011 finals. Man, you can tell that Father Time's catching up with both of us, especially Dirk. He uh, he had a little bit of a tough scene last night. Right, right. Um, man, it's crazy just how fast time is flying. It puts kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those meters like shows like how fast, you know, time goes by. Um, I just remember. As as a younger kid, when they were both in their primes, and you know they were the faces of the league, and and uh, you know doing great things, um, you never thought you wouldn't, wouldn't see them in the NBA. You know what I mean? And now you see this whole new wave coming in, and and it's 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 crazy to just think just how how fast things are going. Um, it's, it's nice, obviously, to see them too. Um, you know, 
play their last game together. Um, but yeah, I mean, they Dirk looks like he could barely walk mm-hmm. half the time and get up and down the court. Um, you know, D Wade has his has his moments. He's, he's still has a little juice left in him, but um, it's just great, man. The, the growing up, those two guys obviously were superstars in the league. Um, thinking back to that NBA Finals, that was just amazing. A big D Wade fan uh, who went to Marquette, obviously. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's crazy to just think where they're at, and and it also gives me um, a lot of respect for a LeBron James, who you know obviously came in around that time as well, um, and he's still just at the top of his game. It's 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 crazy to see, but um, it's gonna be sad to see them go. Um, but that's that's what happens, man. You know, players players have to retire; they get old, and and the new new gen has to step in. I'm hoping that when their last game comes around, they get the send-off that Kobe had where they erupt and just have a 60-something point night. I don't know. I know Dwayne is going to put up about 70 shots in his final game, which I'm kind of excited to see. I would have liked to seen Dirk, Kristaps, and Luka Doncic all on the floor at the same time and let Dallas, Texas become the new capital of Europe. I don't think we're ever going to get to see that, though. No, definitely not. Um you better believe that Luke is going to try to get Dirk in that last game as many shots up as he can. Um, what's good about for Dallas and getting Kristop in this year is, you know, I think Dirk's going to be hanging around the team. So I think he'll be learning a lot from, from Dirk and, and, you know, learning a lot of tricks of the trade as a, as a skilled big man who can shoot. Dirk was one of those, those guys that were u- very unique when he came to the league. You didn't see that a lot. Now you're seeing a lot of guys kind of mirror what Dirk used to be and, and, and kind of, set the trend you know for a skilled big man that can step out and shoot um but man it would be pretty cool to see kind of Dirk have like a vintage game and like i said obviously i think d wade's gonna try to go out i could see d wade score 50 in in his final game jake durant tanner hoops in the studio with you we owe you our last time out football talk next who wins the antonio brown sweepstakes and what are you willing to offer him plus is my doppelganger josh rosen Next on the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Boys basketball this evening. I'll have the call from Calumet. 7 p.m. pregame and then a 7.15 tip right here on ESPN UP and online with our app. Hope to have you tuned in. Well, who wins the Antonio Brown sweepstakes as the drama continues there? Antonio Brown officially, unofficially, requesting a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier this week, saying via social media, goodbye to Pittsburgh and to all of its fans. I know he wants to go to San Francisco, and I still think he would be a great fit there, and I think San Francisco would be phenomenal with him there. I don't know, Jake. Where do you see him landing next year? Do you have any place in mind that could be a good fit for Antonio Brown? It's really hard not to see him in San Francisco just because of the cap space they have. They have possibly a franchise quarterback who I think is a franchise quarterback when healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, They don't have a number one receiver. I think he just kind of fits perfectly he's on the West Coast. Um, he's out of the division or out of the conference and division. Um, so I think San Fran is a really good place. Um, the Raiders could possibly, you know, they have a lot of draft picks. They could probably pick them up. Um, you know, Green Bay is right there. Mm, that's wishful <laughs> would, thinking, I, that's though. That's wishful thinking. I know they don't really have the cap space, but some, somehow pull it off. Brian Giddickens, come on. 
Um, but I mean, if you're a team that's right on the brink, that is just one piece away. I don't see why you wouldn't try to do whatever you can, whether it be first round draft pick. I would, you know, you could go into a draft and you know several drafts and not find an Antonio Brown um, in the first round. I mean, he's just that special. He's arguably still the best receiver in the league. Um, obviously, he's he's 30, um, but. I mean, if you're a team that's right there that needs a, a weapon and, and feel you're right on the brink of, of playoffs in the Super Bowl, I don't see why you wouldn't give up one or two. I would give up two first-round picks. Um, I know that's kind of crazy, but, I mean, he's that good of a player. Um, you know, I would, I, would, I would do it. I would do it. He's, he's really good. You think about someone like Khalil Mack in the trade that went down there. Four first-rounders went to Oakland in exchange for Khalil Mack. Is Antonio Brown worth that? Because he's still one of the best, if not the best, in the game, like you mentioned. But he is turning 31 this year. He has a skill set that doesn't age necessarily well. But his contract is so cheap. I mean, when you look at him in the production that he has, he's on a really, really cheap contract, all things considered. Right. I mean, I don't think I would give up a, you know, four first-round draft picks. I mean, that that's just a little too much. I think mm-hmm. if you... You give up maybe one or two, you know. I think Antonio Brown still has a couple really, really good years left. Um, I think you you do that. I mean, Dallas gave up a first rounder for Amari Cooper. People thought they were crazy. Obviously, he's a bit younger, um, but look what the, how he changed the dynamic of of the Cowboys. Um, so, I mean, if Amari Cooper deserves a first round uh, pick, I don't see why you wouldn't want to give a first round pick for for uh antonio brown I, I just think you know if you could if you could get him for a first round pick and maybe like a, a second third round pick i think that that's a steal i mean i think it would be a robbery almost for uh, a team if they could pull that off let's speculate and go a little bit out there do you think antonio brown would be willing to stay with pittsburgh if they had chosen to move on from ben roethlisberger do you think ben roethlisberger was that big of a thorn in antonio brown's side that he wanted to leave pittsburgh um, I honestly think that was kind of the the one of the bigger. I, I think their relationship was so destroyed for for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like Pittsburgh was talking, you know, contract extensions in spite um, to kind of stir the pot a little bit with Antonio Brown to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Um, would he stick around in Pittsburgh if it, Ben wasn't there? I I just don't think. I mean, I think the, there's more than, than Ben Roethlisberger is. I think the little, half of the locker room's probably turned on him. I don't think he's really in with with the upper management, and I don't know if him and Mike Tomlin have a great, you know, bond or relationship. So, if Ben wasn't there, I think it would have been more likely. But I, I just think it it was just too 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 far gone. I think I think deep down, Antonio Brown just needed a, a change, and he went at it in a way that kind of made him look very very egotistical and 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 uh, diva-ish, but, I mean, that's kind of who he is, so, I don't know. Well, you talk about the relationship strains between Brown and the upper management, and certainly there was a lot of that, and we assume that there was some with the coaching staff or Mike Tomlin saying, don't put this stuff on social media while Antonio Brown is Facebook-living a team meeting. You said Pittsburgh almost proved a point talking contract extensions with Ben Roethlisberger, maybe to stick it to Antonio Brown just a little bit. Are the Steelers maybe shooting themselves in the foot potentially by looking at a contract extension with Ben Roethlisberger? Because we talk about Antonio Brown. He's 31. 
or he will be 31 this summer and performing at a high level. Ben Roethlisberger is performing at a high level. Granted, he was the passing champion this regular season, but he's 37. Who knows how much longer he's going to have left. He doesn't look all that in shape, although everyone will tell you that he takes great care of himself. But how much longer does Ben Roethlisberger have? And keep in mind, if you're choosing between the two, if it ends up being an ultimatum between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger's off-the-field issues are far worse than anything Antonio Brown has done. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you had to choose between the two, I mean, a quarterback is a very important position. Um, you know, if you say you could keep Ben with two years, two solid years left, or you could keep Antonio with two solid years, you got to keep Ben. I mean, you got to keep Ben Roethlisberger just because of, you know, he's an experienced quarterback that that knows what it takes to win. Um, if you're Antonio Brown, like I said, if if it would be crazy to think that he would want to come back without a Ben Roethlisberger, because basically you're saying you're going to start over because unless you can get a vet in there. I mean, it, it's it's tough, but I do think it's a pride thing with Pittsburgh a little bit. Obviously, they're a very traditional franchise. Um, you know, no one's bigger than the franchise type of thing. I think they're kind of walking a line. They don't really want him gone because of the talent he brings, but at the same time, they don't want to look like they're being pushed over. Um, so it's a very interesting time to start talking extensions with Ben when you already knew the relationship was strained. Um, but I think as a whole, that whole organization, I mean, oh, my goodness. Talk about dysfunctional. I just don't, you know, maybe it's Mike Tomlin. I don't know what it is, but um, when you're losing your best receiver and your best running back, they had all the pieces to maybe win another Super Bowl, maybe two. I mean, they had a lot of good pieces, but, uh, man, it, it crumbled. Um, they still got Juju there, but, I mean, if I had to choose, I'll take Ben. Jake Duran is in the studio with us. Before we sign off, I got to tell you about an experience I had last night involving myself, Josh Rosen, an apparent doppelganger of mine, I had one of my listeners tweet me a picture of my face and Josh Rosen side by side asking if I'm related to Josh Rosen. I got the notification while I was calling the Westwood Gwynn game. I went to look at the tweet afterwards and the notification was still there. I could still see the picture and everything. I thought it was hilarious and then I tried to retweet it and it said that it wasn't available and I don't know if the listener thought... It took me so long to respond to it that he thought I was mad about it, so he deleted it or something. If that's the case, no worries. I thought it was hilarious. But maybe there is a little bit of a resemblance, maybe, between myself and Rosen. Maybe a little a bit. A little bit? I mean, I saw I saw the photo, uh, the two side-by-sides, and I think you guys, I, I, did, I definitely see it. Okay, well. So from the side, the side profile. Um, you know, if you throw on a Cardinals jersey... Uh, maybe switch up your hair a little bit. I mean, you could probably walk up in there. Not changing my hair. <laughs> Not Take too much hair. pride in my hair. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but I guess there's worse people to you know, look like than yeah. Josh Rosen. True Does that. this mean that I can't say that he is an overrated quarterback he was not worthy of being taken 10th overall last year i mean you can say that you can say that as, as much as i you still want. think that i do think that much. too i do i do think that too um no i i i I'll, i agree i think he's kind of overrated but um you know we're gonna have to see what what kingsbury can do but um yeah i mean i definitely see the resemblance and and uh go ahead and bash him if you want i, I he hasn't shown me nothing yet i'd rather be kingsbury's doppelganger I'll say that. <laughs> right. I mean, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to get into to anything else but that, but I would rather be, <laughs> be Kingsbury's doppelganger too. 
How about you? Have you ever been told that you've got somebody out there famous that you somewhat resemble? I get this all the time. And, you know, if my friends are listening, they're going to laugh at this because they make fun of me mm-hmm. all the time. But uh, I get that I look like Bruno Mars all the time. Uh, did um, you win a contest? I for did, that? yeah. The, uh, uh, Halloween, yeah. I dressed up as Bruno Mars. It didn't take a lot, to be honest with you. I threw on some glasses, got some fake jewelry, put on a hat, got a little uh, curls going, um, and I won a trip to Las Vegas because uh, the, the <laughs> Diggs, shout out Diggs in Marquette, thought I looked so much like them. The DJ at, at the, the uh, at Diggs where I was um, played 24 Karat Magic, and I was on the dance floor. I did a whole little little shindig, and everyone was, was liking it. So I won a trip to Vegas um, because I looked so much like him, apparently. Um, and, and I could definitely see the resemblance too. So, so Bruno Mars, and like you said, I guess I could, uh, be grateful that I'd look like, I could look like somebody else too. So I'm, I'm, and for the record, I'm a little bit older than Bruno Mars. So, I, um, he kind of looks like me. Let's just switch <laughs> that around. He's, he's, he's a lucky guy. So the plan is for Halloween this year, we'll go as Bruno Mars and Josh Rosen, and then we're going to go to Vegas together. That sounds good. We're going to win the trip. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the lookalike contest and what have yeah. you. It was the first time I've ever heard Josh Rosen as my doppelganger. I've had a few others before. Josh Rosen was a first for me, but that was a pretty good one. I was happy with that. That's it for us here on the Sports Pen. Again, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our program. Uh, We're back on tomorrow. We've got the Coaches Show at 3. That runs till 4, right up until we hit the air. And then... You'll hear the coaches show back before Westwood Patriot basketball. Girls with a chance to clinch the conference title tomorrow night, welcoming Nagani. But the boys take care of business first this evening at Calumet. 7 pregame, seven fifteen tip. Jake, as always, appreciate you being here. Looking forward to talking next week. Definitely. Thanks for having me. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. I'm Tanner Hoops signing off on ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.